0: what hey everybody welcome back to very heroic living what's going on aaron
1: hey joe how are you
0: i'm having a difficult day actually I'd are like you? i am yeah i am i'd like to start today's episode with a daily breath yeah, okay let's do it i don't know if all of our listeners are aware of this i know you know pretty sure ethan knows on instagram and sometimes when facebook lets me these days i post daily breaths uh it's just you know 45 seconds to a minute ish and uh I just share a quiet moment where we get away from all the noise and everything else that's been going on in our day. And, you know, it's a deep breath. It's an inhale and an exhale in a moment. So here we go for today's daily breath.
1: You need one, pal. Let's go. I know it's not a competition, but I inhaled longer than you.
0: Oh man, we're not going to do that again for everybody else's sake, but later we're going to come back to this you and me in private. This isn't over, Aaron. (laughs) We've got more breaths to take. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a competition, Aaron. This is totally a competition. (laughs)
1: I understand. But, you know, it's all about peace of mind. And frankly, I feel like I'm at more peace than you are currently, Joe. Maybe you need another breath. I don't know. Maybe you need better lung capacity. Maybe I'm just better. I don't know. Maybe I'm just better.
0: All right. Well, we're going to cut for a minute while Aaron and I have this out. And uh, we'll be right back. (laughs) All right. Let's try this again, Aaron. Let's do it, Joseph. So what are we talking about in this episode? I think today it's time for us to talk about thriving. Okay. All right. We've been working our way through some of the darker beginnings of we have some heavy experiences, some emergencies, you know, what have you in our lives, and we've got to survive them and we've got to find our way to better places and healing recoveries and all that. And the pinnacle of it all for me, I think, is when you can feel well enough and you start to like really feel like yourself again even after some changes maybe sometimes we have to let go of some things we're maybe not the exact same person that we used to be but when we can start feeling whole again and start just living our lives and making decisions and finding happiness and so that's what i think you know thriving is and i think that uh, it's really important that we start talking about that you know sooner than later For sure. And we brought in a great guest, Leona DeVin. She's
1: a life coach and an author, and you know her a little bit.
0: Yeah. Leona and I were connected pretty recently in October at the VHL Alliance family meeting. Uh, Leona was one of the hosts of some breakout sessions that we did. So it was actually a really cool, unique kind of a way to meet somebody who is a, like you said, she's a life coach and a facilitator. We got to meet her through this breakout session where On a bit of a small group, more personal note, some VHL patients get to meet with someone who helps people through a variety of experiences in their lives, who also shares the exact same situation that we're in. And so we got this really cool, safe environment to talk about some of the things that we want in our lives, some of the things that are difficult in our lives. And again, very personal, real intimate kind of topics that we could actually have. And I think that was a really great way to meet someone. And I, I haven't you know, gotten to know Leona personally yet, but chandra clark uh who actually was our first guest on very heroic living Mm -hmm. um the executive director over at the vhla she hooked us up via email and we're lucky enough to have leona on the show today all right so let's jump into it everybody please welcome leona devin hi leona welcome to the show
2: hi thanks for having me
0: i'm so glad you're here Thanks again for saying yes. I know it was a bit of a surprise when you got introduced to me in the first place.
2: I'm delighted to be here.
0: So I guess let's just jump right into talking about things. When you and I spoke briefly a couple weeks ago, we sort of ended on the topic of thriving. And we both agree that it might be a little bit cliche of a word, some of the phrases and words we kind of can't get away from, right? And you and I are both in different and similar situations in our lives in terms of Navigating and thriving. So, tell us a little bit, I guess, about yourself and your experience these days, and and how you're thriving.
2: I too have a little bit of an allergic reaction to the word thrive. However, I don't think there's a better one. It just is. It encompasses what I would call living above the line. Either we can just be surviving and living, like you know, in a valley, or we can make a choice based on what we have control over. In order to rise above our circumstances by bolstering our own resilience, by focusing on our well-being, whether that be mental health, whether that be increasing uh, positive emotions, hacking into neuroscience and what we can do to uh, bolster uh, positivity, whatever that is, I am here for it. And so I live that out. I, you know, even in my daily practices,
1: I get up at
2: 4.30 in the morning.
1: That is early. 4.30. (laughs) Why are you doing that to yourself? Okay.
2: So there's a caveat. Well-being, I said, mattered to me. Integrity matters a lot uh, so that I'm not just, yeah, (laughs) uh, saying things. It's like, yeah, that's nice if you go to bed, get up at 4.30 and go to bed at 1. I get to bed at 8.30 at night because my whole deal is I do not want to add any stress stress to the system, period, but having a, um, a serious disease, as uh, Joseph and I share, that matters. I do not want to do anything that promotes what could be tumor growth or stress, but I also really want to squeeze all the juice out of this precious life. So I am clearly a morning person and not a night person. So I'm still committed to getting a lot of sleep, but I do spend probably two hours a day before I start my day doing anything else, really focusing on practices that help me to thrive. I just think, you know, it's all nice to like, oh, practice some heavy breathing when you're in the MRI machine. (laughs) Not too much because it's like really stuffy in there. And where I go, you still have to wear a mask in the MRI machine, even though there's nobody for 100 feet that could catch anything from you. So I'm like, doing those things in the moment is nice to, you know, manage stress and anxiety. But if we're not really building a foundation, it's not all that valuable. So I am committed to this. I am all in.
0: What is the foundation built on in particular, Leonie? All right, so 4.30 in the morning, there's got to be at least some specific commitment to yourself to getting started at that hour.
2: Oh, 100%. So, um Every morning, I'm not a great meditator. I think there's a ton of value in meditation. I've done quite a bit of meditation, but I am a much better journaler. So journaling brings very similar outcomes. It also and this is very similar on meditation too. So if people are like high-end meditators and they're like, yay, I am never writing out a word, do not change. But what we see is that even after three weeks of journaling, people's blood pressure drop, people with rheumatoid arthritis, their pain and inflammation decreases, uh, cardiovascular health increases, (laughs) you haven't moved. You get to sit for all those benefits and your brain can't tell the difference whether it is telling somebody like a therapist your troubles or yourself. And what we see is that we gain more understanding around things because we see it as it comes out. And so oftentimes, even when we are having a deep conversation with somebody, therapist or not, we're like, Oh, I didn't even realize that was important until I said it. So I journal and I move every morning. So, and it is dark in Canada. Believe me, it is dark here till almost 830. Everybody's view on us living in Antarctica is almost true, uh, except for the igloos. We do not drive around on snow machines. I drive a Hyundai.
1: I heard that we tapped into the uh, maple syrup reserve recently. Is that true? I don't know. Oh, okay. (laughs) We grow cows and grain. This is like
2: Texas. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so move every day, journal every uh, journal without question. Probably I've missed five times in the last 11 years. Um, Wow. Yeah. So there's the really, really specific practice that I engage in. And I like space. Like I don't want to be like, oh, 26 minutes, you know, 12 minutes Ding ding ding. Your journaling time's done. Right. Oh, you can't walk. I mean, I don't walk super far, but I yeah. Um
0: So there's a practice, but you're not rigid about your practice in certain ways. You could give yourself a little flexibility too.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly I'm aware of timelines. I start work at 6:30 and I'm on Zoom, so I can't be in my pajamas. But yeah, I'm very very committed.
0: Do you find yourself taking a good long time to get started because you sort of have to just based on some of your own experiences with VHL and what you've been through, or is this really just you and your own mental space? This is okay. So just this my is my own
2: mental space. Yeah.
0: Awesome. I'm really glad to hear that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not suggesting 430 for everybody. I'm just <laughs> suggesting if we want to build a great life, it doesn't happen on accident.
0: It is. absolutely.
2: Can we be purposeful around creating a great right life? you know, regardless of what is happening to us. Absolutely. You know, like, Yesterday, I had to get my eyes treated. Um, uh, and <laughs> you can't see when that happens, right? So I'm like, what do I do? And I don't have a driver in that particular case. Uh-huh. And an Uber would cost far more than dinner. So I just feel like, what do we do? I, I, I wrote in my journal, let's turn pain into promise. So I'm like, okay, I could stay in that part of town, maybe meet somebody, you know, half blind for and I say that lightly, because I know there's lots of people that have true issues, Um, But I just thought, okay, let's change this up. So worked an entire day, facilitated for seven hours straight, and then drove there and then just spent some time in that part of the town. And I just thought, okay, just enjoy it. Just you can't drive anywhere for the next few hours. Just be with what is. So I just think there's always an opportunity not to be trite. There are some hellish days, but I just think what is the opportunity in every day? Can you connect with somebody? I went for an MRI and they're like, wow, you were so still. I was like, you guys were awesome. You know, you gave me a warm blanket and they were like, you're just such a a good client, or a good patient. But I was like, I, I mean, I'm just trying to be a decent person, but I just thought, you know what? You can make everything slightly better than it really is by being
0: intentional. Can I tell you something on that note, Leona? I've actually had my, my uncle, I'm on one of the the clinical trials for Reg. and okay. I've, I've been for just just over three years now. So, oh my goodness, on, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm one of I'm I'm patient number thirty four total on the clinical trials. Yeah, so that's a whole fun other conversation about um, thriving in kind of the darkness again, and the whole you know the uncertainty of the experience, but. We can agree, yes, that if you're going to find yourself thriving and being well, there is a certain amount of discipline and there is a, a certain kind of hard work involved in that, right? And that it's very important to commit to it, but to also find that balance, like you said, where you're not adding stress and adding more of a difficulty to an already what is a difficult and complicated life, add illness or any other kind of trouble to it. And of course, it becomes even more difficult. So still take it easy on ourselves yeah. in that.
1: How much is compassion involved in, you know, the process of thriving? And I, I think that, you know, you're touching on compassion for yourself, like being able to forgive yourself for making mistakes. How much of that do you find with your clients and even with yourself is them just beating themselves up for something?
2: How much time do we have? <laughs> uh, compassion is massively important. Um, yeah. Self-compassion is one of the like one of the linchpins of developing confidence and we all want more confidence. The other thing is what we don't realize is that our brain can not actually tell whether or not. So let's say Joseph and I are talking and, if Joseph said to me, you know, Leona, you're such a loser. Like, what a jerk you are. I like, was
1: saying that earlier. And I was like, why would you say that, man? Yeah. As
2: long as he didn't tweet it out anywhere. Leona's not a common name. They would find me. Um, our brain cannot discern between outward abuse and inner abuse. It has no discernment. Nothing. So you literally, most of us, because of a negativity bias, are walking around with a jerk in our head. It was like, wow, you shouldn't be such a wimp and complain about, you know, having your pupils dilated. There are way more people that are struggling. And I might still say, hey, there's way more people that are struggling and be like, oh, that's sad. But that doesn't mean I can't have space and compassion. And part of our ability to thrive is how kind can we be to ourselves. And not kind to ourselves that we like never brush our teeth and never take off our pajamas. But those those places that we have this negativity bias that we're hard on ourselves, or I should just get used to this experience. We talk about VHL, or I should just get over it. I'm still alive. I can walk-ish. Yeah, it's brutal. And it's so hard because our brain literally, it cannot tell. It's like being in a chronic abusive relationship that you never get away from this thing. You wake up at three o'clock in the morning and it's like, hey, Leona, you're a jerk. It's like, crap. You found me out. Yeah. So, so important.
0: We keep coming back to a lot of the alternative, holistic, non, I I don't mean to say non-medical, but certainly traditional forms of caring that I've gotten an opportunity to be through. You and I spoke a little bit about I've gotten to travel to the jungle and I've been exposed to Eastern philosophies and Western philosophies, but all in terms of trying to take care of oneself and yoga and and Reiki and and those types of things. And to hear you say that even those internal comments that we make to ourselves register as abuse to the brain... In the respect of the the work that we do is always towards some peace and some calm, but I don't necessarily find in a lot of those practices that we're talked to or like warned almost about those things that we say to ourselves are damaging in the same way as if we had said them to other people or the way other people say to us and that kind of other level of compassion
2: Yes. And I do think we do see it a little bit in some traditions and I'm not super savvy in all things. I just take what works and then like throw the rest. I don't throw it out. I think it's great, but you know, I'm not a meditator. I'm like just trying my best. So I take what works and the meta uh, meditation, which is a Buddhist practice. And I've also heard One of the ways that I started it is that I heard that cancer patients, instead of, you know, we hear F cancer, which is fine if that's your thing, we hear VHL warrior. And I do believe that there's like the strength of a warrior to get up every morning, to function amidst adversity, but... I wouldn't want to be a warrior with my tumors. Like to me, I'm just like number one, VHL is on every one piece of our DNA, right? Like to, for me to say, I hate VHL. That's like, like hitting like 99% of Joseph and like 99% of me. I'm just like, dang, like this is part of us. It's not us, but it is part of us. And so, um, I was reading a book on cancer treatment and some of the cancer patients that do the best are ones that actually send loving kindness, which is part of a meta prayer. And the, or I call it a prayer, but like a meditation, right? Like, may you be well, may you experience peace, may you know joy, and may you, I don't know. There's some different versions, well-being. Um,
0: no, but part of the really important yeah. part of that prayer is the part where you wish may all other sentient beings experience the causes of joy and kindness totally. and happiness. And totally. may, so you say these things, may I, and you say these things, may all other, all other sentient, all let's, let's like focus for just a brief moment on all sentient beings too, because we are talking about anything living, breathing, moving yeah. and sharing in the energy.
2: Even the space before that, if we talk about like the real depth of well-being, it asks you to take somebody that you find challenging and just bring them to mind. And you're like, oh, shoot. Yes. I thought I was living like this full zend out life. And now there's my mom. So then we're also sharing it with them, which you want to talk about well-being if we're not carrying around resentment, you know, lack of forgiveness. And I'm not saying I feel like forgiveness is an option, but at least it invites us into our awareness that maybe there is some work that is undone because having seething resentment and rage uh, over something is also extremely hard on us. And I think that's what journaling does for me. It's like, oh, I'm not feeling, aw- oh yeah, I actually <laughs> I hate my neighbor. okay, got to go back to square one. Yeah.
0: I think Aaron and I actually have recently talked about, we have mutual friends who have a sort of very aggressive relationship. Some things have happened and we talk about how that sort of becomes toxic even for the other people who know them in a greater circle, right? So like saying those things, feeling those things, outwardly being negative to other people, like these things even affect people that are steps away from the the situation. It's not just you and I saying we hate each other. It's what that does to the people around us.
2: Totally. And like you were mentioning something about energy, right? That changes things. That changes how our hearts beat that changes the coherence between our hearts and our brains, then that can increase stress and life cannot be stress-free, but I just think is how, again, how is it that we're resilient? What is it that we're doing to really be as resourceful as possible with this gift of life, even though at times it may not feel very gifty, um, but still important to take that perspective, right? This is the life we've been given this time around.
0: You say that, and uh, that definitely brings me back to your book, you've got a a lot of little pieces that we've talked about that definitely reflect on some of what Aaron and I have been reading some of your words here. I think it's really important for all of us to sort of dive into this life that we've been given as much as we can, because how else do we find all that extra joy coming back from those darker places that we aren't always feeling so lucky to have experienced, but in the end, there's a lot of good fortune. And you like you said before, they create these opportunities to kind of go farther than maybe we ever would have before in terms of our own happiness or our own wholesome being.
2: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I am a bit of a joy uh Fanatic. Uh, I like the
0: word. I really, you know, we talk about those clichés, those things. I like that you said uh, an allergy to a word.
2: (laughs) But I, I, what I've come to believe, and so the book is built on the idea that joy is found in any place. And it's kind of like little, like, I think we're okay with the ET reference here. (laughs) Like how old are these people? ET, we've got like Reese's Pieces. I feel like joy is kind of like, okay, stay on this path. Whether it's like searching for a career or joy is found in the truth of those small moments and we can follow it and we discover more about what's important. It is not always found in the most lottery winning moments. I think of some of the most joyful moments when my kid had his first brain surgery, brutal. And my mom died when I was young, of VHL. So very traumatic to be like, whether you, you all the therapy in the world, you're still like, oh my goodness, like hospital bed, scar down the, you know, straight down the back of your neck. You're like, we have 22 craniotomies and my immediate family alone, that's just like sibling mother, son, and nephew and niece. And you think, yeah, so that that's brutal. But I think of some of the best moments, um, like the first time we, they got him to fall asleep because he had such bad pain and the nurse started jumping up and down. I was like, my goodness. And I was like, you are my girl. We are going to be together forever. I love you. But I was just like, okay, the fact that we are sharing this very small, super crappy moment where this, like you get this, burst of light is just, it feels like a little miracle. And I just think those are those moments that are there for everybody, regardless of the circumstances that keep us going and incredibly important. And so there's this little moment. So that's why I call it finding your joy spots because it's not like a big like joy smear, like across, you know, painted across every moment. Um, Although joy smear, that's not a good name for a book ever. Yeah. And the polka dots don't look the same on the cover. It's like... And uh, I am a science nerd. And so the background of the book, it's built on 40 years of science around flourishing. And so maybe that's another word. That's a nice F word that defines thriving. And so those five components, which I am committed to, are um, experiencing more positive emotions. So what is it that we can do? and so there's lots of ways that we can hack into our brains to experience more positive emotions to set that negativity bias and turn the dial on that so how is it that we do that and then engagement and i see that a lot of people you know are set back by something that happens and we stop engaging in life we stop doing things that feel meaningful stop doing things feel like this and we're like Oh, that's part of that joy juice, right? So what makes us feel engaged? And engagement we look at when psychology, like where we feel that flow, where we're like, we might lose track of time. We've got a bit of skill around it. Maybe we're building a skill. So sometimes it's hobby, sometimes it's volunteering, sometimes it's being in nature, like whatever that is for us. We do not define each other's choice spots. Then healthy relationships, going back to that, you know, meta situation. You've got this person that you're like, oh, dang, this is unresolved. And sometimes unresolved means putting up a boundary. Sometimes unresolved means I need to move through this. I might need some support. Maybe forgiveness is what I want to move towards. Not about letting them off the hook, but me not carrying 190 person around 24 seven. It's very hard. And then meaning. And so that may be a little more, not spiritual as in religious, but what is it that brings this meaning? Like, right, like you doing this, I make up has probably a lot of those components for you, but like, how do we find meaning and and what are we doing? And so that might be even part of that engagement piece that comes over. But even I think I, I often talk about being resilient, thinking about, okay, what can I control? Do that. But even some of the meaning we have, even I invite my clients to you know pick a statement that just helps them get their brain back online. My statement is I'll have everything I need when I need it. That does not mean that people don't die. That is not but people don't get brain tumors, but I trust at the last millisecond, some sort of grace will like intercede and I will survive whatever is before me. And then the last part, which I also see with people often is accomplishment. And so it's not about like setting out, hey, you know, I just had brain surgery and I'm going to run a marathon next week.
1: I do that stuff all the time. That's that's what I do. I, I'm definitely guilty of setting some kind of accomplishment and saying, once I do that, I'll be happy.
2: Oh, and there is true that we do get like that dopamine hit and dopamine is delicious. Like dopamine is so motivating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And the accomplishment that shows up in science is really about setting a goal we know we can achieve and then taking some time to savor it. That means like, what did I learn? What did I notice? What was important to me about that? And sometimes I see with people with chronic disease is they stop setting goals, right? Mm. But I'm like, even something like, I don't know, set like something that seems kind of dumb, just even to get the dopamine. If we're going to hack into neurochemicals, let's go, right? Like, I don't know, erase 10 emails. Your brain doesn't care, again, whether you said 10 emails or your inbox, You don't want to know about my inbox. Um, (laughs) Right. But what we do is we are like, oh, until the inbox is empty, I'm not enough. So it's just like, well, do 10. Your brain just is like, oh, you said 10 and you did 11. Like, yay, you, you're like a, a rock star. So that is the premise. So there's, it's research backed, but, and so each chapter is associated with a different part of that. And again, integrity feels like I can't be here talking about it if I'm not living it either. So I'm often going back to those five aspects, knowing that that's been like well studied by somebody else who's a genius, who has 40 years of research back behind them and goes, hey, this helps you flourish. You're not like F words, so here you go.
0: I love the word flourish. I'm gonna start leaning towards that one because I think it's a, a really good one anyway. As you're talking about these five different kind of concepts, I could picture different times in my life after surgeries usually and think you know the months and years immediately after um, because even a couple years later is sort of immediately after in some ways yeah Um, and I can look back on concert tickets that we had that we really shows we really wanted to go to and I just didn't want to go out I just didn't want to go that night and I got a lot of those kind of moments where socially you just don't want to be engaged anymore sort of sort of different moments about that too where you too many people asking the same questions about how you're doing you like you end up being the focus of a lot of attention at say somebody else's wedding or right there's reasons there's reasons for it but they're not really good enough in the long run right because we need to get over those things but anyway I think I think that people can immediately relate to some of those specific moments when they've had some any kind of trauma because totally yeah so I can I can appreciate that
2: and even living with chronic uncertainty right like those are big anchors because we're like I don't know right like sure. um, I just had my MRI series and I feel fine but that doesn't mean anything I mean it can yeah. not mean something and so there's that vulnerability in between right that you're like okay somebody knows the MRI person knows they seem pretty friendly is that because things are going down <laughs> maybe that's why we connected maybe that's why they were actually nicer to me than I was to them because they know something Sure. but I just think okay, Leona feet on the ground. What are those things that, you know, that are anchoring for you? You know, do I need, you know, to spend extra time with people? I've, you know, got hobbies on the go, things that feel connected. Writing for me is one of those. And I'm just like, okay. And so I call myself honey. Cause we're talking about being compassionate. <laughs> yes. really, okay. It's really that hard to nice. be a jerk when you start with honey.
0: It's funny. I say please and thank you to my dogs all the time,
1: oh. I, all the
0: time. And I, and I hear myself, if I've got a tone that I shouldn't even have with the dog and I end it with, thank you, it doesn't feel right. And I like stop and like kneel down, rub it, rub, rub him or her behind their ears. You know,
2: there you go. Now you can take that same inner tone with yourself. Yeah. When I teach self-compassion, we actually talk about tone of voice as you speak to yourself. Yeah, Sure. Because again, your brain can't tell whether it's an inside source or an outside source. So if somebody is like uses a tone with you.
0: Yeah. So when I say, oh, I'm such a jerk. Exactly. That's how it actually lands.
2: Exactly. So when you start with honey, it's hard to be a jerk.
1: Honey is great. I think that's the key is that I need to probably just figure out a cutesy little nickname for myself. That's beautiful. Darling. Darling. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How could you? Be anything but sweet after star, so honey,
2: I know. So, and, and again, it's just a little invitation as a reminder to your brain. You might be super mortified, but what you just did, and you are ready to like kick yourself to the curb. But it's like, honey, it's like, oh, it's hard to be a jerk when we start with that, isn't it? Okay, I'll take just take a breath here. Yeah, try to reframe how I'm about to like literally drag myself around the block.
0: So tips and tricks and some hard work and some self-compassion and some discipline and some more self-compassion and it's a bit of yes. a long road, but we're, yeah. we're getting there. You seem to be doing very well. I'm really glad about that. And your tests all came back. That's well, all I
2: came back stable. Excellent. I oddly Excellent. have an extra brain tumor that's not related to VHL. Oh, the, the joy of scans. So that one is a little bit, a tiny bit, um, uh, yeah, there, there have been some growth, but otherwise now everything else is, everything else is stable. And it's pretty handy. Like who else gets an MRI of their whole body? They're like, uh, I was like, what, they made a comment on my lungs or something and my throat, oh, my throat. And I was like, this is amazing. Thank you. I was like, I didn't know you were scanning like the whole thing. I thought yeah. you like started at the bottom of my rib cage. And they're just like, I don't know. Anyways, I read the report and was like, you know what, even there we'll turn a pain into some promise. I'm like, good. I'm glad that my lungs look good. My lungs are long apparently. So (laughs) yay. Can I use that to my advantage when I go for my morning runs? So far I'm not feeling it, but um, yeah. Yeah. What about for you, Joseph? What do you do to (sighs) flourish?
0: Well, I got really lucky for a long time in terms of tools, resources, getting to travel a bit, getting some really good teachers and mentors sort of experiences over the years. My mother is a Mahayana Buddhist um, as her daily practice for almost 20 years now. And their entire focus is mind training to get to a point of equanimity while always focusing on compassion for all sentient beings. Um, Beautiful. Hence the prayer that you started with before. That's right. Mm -hmm. So that's the way they start every class. That's the way they start every service or ceremony or event um, whenever that that's their opening prayer, because that's always their focus. I would like to experience joy. I would like to be a wholesome, healthy being. I would like everyone else to experience all. And I love this. It's not that I would like everyone else to experience the joy. It's I would like for everyone else to experience the causes of the joy. Oh, yeah, there's right. There's just something so extra specific about that. I want you to run into all the things that are just going to hit you in just the right ways yes. so that you can be that content. So that's been a really big foundation for the second half of my life, because the first half of my life was a little bit more conventional until VHL. And then there were like travels to the jungle. We talked about lots of time with ayahuasca and ceremonies and a shaman as a guide through the whole thing. And so that was tremendous in terms of learning more about myself. And anytime you leave home in the first place, you're given different opportunities to learn about yourself and kind of open up a little bit, which I think helps too, because especially with an illness, your world becomes your whole world. I've even touched on kind of narcissistic characteristics in the in the life of someone who's got something like v h l which is lifelong and recurring, and so everyone's thinking about the uncertainty and it's always me me me, and what's going to happen next, and right that sort of so leaving home has really been good a lot of times over the years. I think it's also helped me deal with that kind of retracting that you talked about before. Right. right? So it's, it's easier to get back out because I remember how good getting back out was smelling the air somewhere else, getting in an ocean on the other coast, seeing a friend in another state, right? All of these things, right? So they're, they're good mental points and emotional points too, right? Cause usually they come with like, I was on a vacation or I was studying or being a patient in a jungle or right They're they're yeah. positive, right? That dopamine. And right. So those have been really, really big for me on a large scale. And then on a daily scale, I've been really lucky in my recoveries I've come back to phys- a lot of the physical activities, like surfing, has been, always been a big part of my life, and I oh. get and I get to do that again after a few years of not being able to do it, and really, really kind of committing to not being able to do it ever again uh, yeah, b- because oh of God. how things have gone. It yeah. it was, and and so I think for me, and and maybe for anyone listening, this might be helpful. The biggest thing I did for my engagement was to just take a deep breath and make a decision about how to adapt and pivot and so for for a while i became a bit of an amateur photographer which got me Ooh. to the beach Paying attention to the swells and when the waves are yeah. coming in, and meeting some other surfers, where I might have met some guys in the water, and we might have chatted or you know chatted each other up. Where now I was standing on the beach waving people down, saying, "Hey, I got some really good shots of you. You know, here's my Instagram. Write me a message, and I'll send you my, you know the photos that I've got." So I think that's something else. If you know, if anybody can reconnect somehow to something that they've lost, you know, even if they can't actually do that again, yeah. Um, so daily yoga, daily exercise. I landscape in my own yard as much as I can. My wife and I have a garden. Um, We have two cats and two dogs. Um, No kids specifically because of the VHL diagnosed when we were very young. As a family, we're de novo. My dad's de novo. So Michael and I, even though we're the second generation, when the three of us all kind of found out together about VHL in the family.
2: That would be the same for us. My mom was a de novo. Okay. And two of us. So my mom had already passed away from VHL. And we found out as siblings and we were like, oh, except we had already had children. So we're like, oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: Right. And I think that's a big part of this whole experience because we say VHL and it's different. I think a lot of, for example, some of the cancer patients that I've spoken to when I say, you know, kind of more of a conventional situation where someone as an adult finds out they have this disease And a lot of these folks sort of have similar individual experiences, and they also have similar familial experiences that I've talked about a bit. But what I notice with VHL patients is that there's this much greater kind of group experience of the whole thing because VHL doesn't – it's not just – like a, a surgery or a couple surgeries, and and hopefully you get better from it, right? There's just this yeah. like ongoing thing, and who generationally is it going to affect? Of course, totally, and, right? So I think that's something that that gets us a lot: the daily practices, the yogas, and the dog and cat behaviors, and you know just feeding my cats every morning, which I talk about little joy spots when I go downstairs and I wake up in the morning and they follow me to the bathroom and they follow me down the hall and meow, 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 meow. The two (laughs) of them, they're so talkative and they crisscross down the stairs in front of me, like this little Uh... kitten's waterfall. Yeah. And I, you know, we go downstairs and I get my, and I eat my chemo and I, I have a moment and I have my glass of water, but first I feed the cats. So, while I'm having my pills and having my glass of water and having my moment at five o'clock in the morning, the cats are chomping away over there and they're both wagging their tails. And I go and I touch them both. I tell them I love them and I go back to bed for a little bit.
1: Oh, so As, good.
0: Yes. Yeah, so like, I think even that, right? Like, if you can find some sort of happy moment while you've got to take your medicine or whatever.
2: Yeah. And I imagine your mindfulness practices also contribute to that because. Some of us don't notice those things, right? But you have the ability to just be with what is while I'm rambling on in a journal.
0: No, but that's right. Your your mindfulness is to ramble on in the journal, knowing what benefit you're going to get from that. And you do have your mind on these other things. So I think that's something else important, right? Not everybody has, we don't all have to meditate. I meditate very well, but not for very long. My okay. body, my, my, <laughs> my body doesn't really want to stay in one spot for that long. Okay,
1: I
2: I, med- I meditated for a while. Um, there's this really great research around meditation and, uh, how it alters genes from no joke. Um, I think his name is, uh, Henry Benson. He has the Benson Henry or Herbert Benson, or, um, I think out of mass general and rah, ridiculous research on meditation and turning on the genes that are often turned off via stress. And then as a result, it has a positive impact on epigenetics, which then changes how genetic mutations show up. So I was like, well, what the heck I am in? <laughs> so, but then I just, my draw, it's kind of like, you know, yoga or Tai Chi. And you're just like, I was so drawn to that. So you just do what works too. Right. I think that's sure. part of that compassion piece is just Go with what works, right? Like you could have chosen to photograph things or you could have chosen to, I can get on my surfboard. I still feel grief and longing because I can't stand on it, but I need to be in the water. Okay, do that. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think sometimes we close the door completely and I'm like, don't close the door. I always remind people, I'm like, what are you curious about? That's where we start to notice these things. And maybe it's not all possible, but it's one step in that direction, Right. That's where the goodness lies. Um, Not by, you know, thinking, well, I can't do that. Well, then I'm resolved to a life. I call it like floundering instead of flourishing, just like flopping around, Mm -hmm. like, you know, thrown up on the beach. And you're like, okay, what else could you do besides flop around?
0: Um, Right, right.
2: (laughs) And it may be taking a nap. Like, I'm not saying it needs to be like super active, but I'm just like, what are you curious about? And move in one step. And you will start to notice things shifting for you. Um, it's so important. I it love It sounds that. like you've done that exquisitely. Like the Taking pictures of people doing things that you would love to do is an act of pure courage and bravery. Because a lot of us would be like, yeah, I actually don't want to be reminded of the loss. So, yeah, uh, take me away from the beach. But you courageously you. stepped into that while I'm sure it still brought up loss and at the same time found some joy.
0: I I actually I talked to my mom about that. I I fortunately I my mother and I are close, both my parents.
2: I, I listened to most of the last podcast. Yeah.
0: Um, so so you heard it, right? The two of the two of us have traveled together. We've we've bounced around through all this experience together. And yeah. so um I I talked to her while that was going on because I stopped for a little while. I stopped taking photos. I, I, I was at it for a few months and then I felt myself I felt myself getting a little sour about it. And I felt myself getting sad and a little, yeah, just what you know, feeling rusty and yeah. stale about it, right? Just being and, mad that you weren't in the water, and that's when I and I, I realized that one day I was I was leaving the beach, and it just hit me that I just didn't want to look at it anymore. If I yeah. if I can't not like if I can't have it, I don't want to see anybody else do it. It was just totally. where it was just wearing on me to miss yeah. it, and so yeah. I talked about that, and and her advice was actually just all right. So take a break. Don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. Be kind to yourself. Yeah. Don't
0: close the door. Yeah. Just push the door shut a little bit. Don't watch that channel. Don't, you know, take it however you want. Just like walk away. Right. And then one day you're going to miss it again. You're going to get a little bit of a tingle for it again. You're with the itch, whatever it is. And then maybe you'll go back. And what ended up really happening was I started focusing on a lot of other stuff very heavily which also I, I went back to I went back to bass guitar and after uh brain surgery in two thousand eighteen that was very difficult, I started taking lessons, which I had never done before. I had always just free flowing, plucked around and made my way to playing in a band for a while and it was always yes. fun. But I got serious about it and what I found out that neurologically all the work with my fingers and all the focus on reading music and the contentment from learning new songs and being able to play
2: yeah, you are just like the epitome of neuroscience around flourishing, like just every single layer, check, 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 and maybe a few more.
1: He's good with clinical trials if there's another <laughs>
0: one for that. So. <laughs> good um, for you. I've, so all these years I've been experimenting with my clinical trial. I go every three months for these things, and I've got photos of how I look going into my scans in my gown so like you can see me looking really tired and over. I'm going to
2: have to follow you on Instagram now, Joseph. I didn't know I was, yeah.
0: Yeah, please do. Um, I, 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 and I, I do a daily breath as often as I can muster up the focus. Um, I, I, they're not actually daily on Instagram, but I try to remind everybody that I hope yeah. that they are breathing on a daily basis and joke about missing my days. But my focus, that's actually been really good for mindfulness because if I can think about taking a minute every day, because Instagram only gives you a minute, if I get 45 seconds to a minute of, Hey everybody! Here I am. Here you are. Let's take a moment and have a breath. And I've actually ended I up- just
2: took a, a, a conscious breath there. I'm like, yes. Look at you, lungs. I just wrote in my journal this morning. I was like, I have a body that digests food with ease. Like that is a miracle. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm thinking, like super graphic, but there are other options like colostomy bags. Not common for a VHLer. Don't want to spread anything. But I'm like, like this is a gift. Like hello. Yeah. Yeah try to do this without a pancreas. Not so fun. Right. Um, I don't, I do have a pancreas full on pancreas, but I'm just like, there are lots of gifts like breathing that we're just like lungs. Mm. Thank you. You do a delightful job for me.
0: Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that we got to share all of these positive elements surrounding any dark situation really. Right. So just whatever is going on in somebody's daily life, these are good focuses for thriving yep. and just being easier on oneself day to day.
2: Totally. Yeah. What a pleasure. And you can just see how this, like, this becomes contagious, right? You talk about what you're doing. I was like, Ooh, I love that. Do I need to take a picture of something? Maybe that looks different for me, but it's just like, you know, when, when people get together that are um, thriving, flourishing, whatever word, right. You can see that this also then bolsters that sense of connection, that what is possible. Like I've been inspired from this conversation, just thinking, gosh, that is brave to face those things that we've lost. And now you have found again, not to sound like something a song or the Bible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, very, very powerful.
0: It is very powerful. And you, you know, spirituality, and for some people, that does include religion, but it doesn't have to include religion and mindfulness and self care and self compassion and. Yeah, I, I'm really glad to have had the time to, to share. And thank you so much. I
2: feel like we could have had a four-hour podcast. So, I, but thank you so much for this time and for the people that would be listening. Yeah, <laughs> with gratitude, Yeah, you get the 45-minute taste instead of the four hours. So, yes. Yeah. So thank you so much. It was such a pleasure, Joseph, and such a pleasure, Aaron.
1: If you want more of Leona, you got to get the book, Finding Your Joy Spot. It's available on paperback and Kindle. Thank you so much for
0: joining us. Thanks very much, Leona. You take very good care. Thank you. Bye-bye.